ways that people can be stuck, feel stuck in betrayal violence where they are betraying um, and that is doing harm and they don't want to, but they stay stuck. And I'm not going to go super deep because we will not have time. Again, if you want more on this stuff, you can check out that library thing if you want. But there is um, addiction, which we'll talk about in a second, what, what that even means. There are mental illness things that can keep you stuck. That doesn't mean it's an excuse. Same with addiction. It's not an excuse. It's not a um, get out of jail free card. Um, it doesn't undo harm. There's neurodiversity. You might be thinking, wait a minute, I have ADHD or I have autism. Don't go ahead and say like that being autistic causes betrayal. It does not at all. And it can be a very complicating factor that, that keep people stuck if they're not addressing it. So we're going to, I'm going to briefly talk on a few of these, but you, this isn't going to be all that you need. There are, there's way more to talk about, um, which, which I do in my library. Um, so let's talk about the addiction cycle. If you're unfamiliar with it, the addiction cycle, and you should know addiction is not a clinical. What I mean by that is you can't get a diagnosis of addiction to pornography or to sex. Um, you can get a diagnosis of compulsive sexual behaviors through the new ICD codes, but the term addiction has even for substances has actually never been a clinical diagnosis. It's more of a community term that's been used within more, um, community health and community mental health. But just because it's not a technical diagnosis doesn't mean it doesn't, doesn't exist. It does mean that the research is quite spotty and kind of all over the place. But there's enough data and enough lived experience for me and meeting enough people to say that I meet people all the time that get stuck in this type of a cycle. And that this type of a cycle as described here um, can keep people feeling trapped in a, a series of behaviors. Um, that's not an excuse because the beauty of cycles is that they can be broken. So it starts with, and, and usually it started very young, sometimes with sexual abuse, sometimes with ex young exposure to content or material. Um, and there's an emotional trigger of some kind. At this point, just having an emotion might be the trigger, any emotion whatsoever, or anything that might threat to cause an emotion. Um, very often with the people that I've worked with, feeling emotion feels out of control. Just having emotion in general is a bad thing a negative emotion or a, or a difficult emotion anyway, right? So feeling sad, feeling hurt, feeling shame, feeling guilty, feeling angry, well, any of those emotions, I guess angry sometimes they can feel okay about, um, but most emotions are kind of off limits um, and they've been taught that societally and their family of origin, et cetera. So there's an emotional trigger of some kind and they learned very young, their nervous system wired very quickly that if I feel bad, I know I can feel good. And the way I can feel good is through this betraying behavior. And now it's betraying because I'm in this intimate relationship, right? But maybe when they were young or as a teenager or as a young adult, it wasn't betraying. So now they start preoccupying about where to get their next fix. Um, then they move towards using or they have some kind of a ritual. They use um, whatever that may be, that might be connecting with an affair partner, that might be hooking up, that might be looking at pornography, that might be upping the ante, and then the harmful effects. And the cycle can be just almost on top of each other, just like this spring 
of ongoing cycle, 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 cycle. And that's where you see this escalating in behavior. You see this escalation of the type of behavior they're doing, the type of boundaries they're breaking, the type of content they're consuming. And then you might run into them and the content is so extreme or the behaviors are so outside of what's normal for you, um, understandably, because it's not okay. And But that's kind of how they got to where they started, from where they started. And I think it's okay to have empathy for someone stuck in a cycle, as long as you don't let go of your boundaries as a result. I'll say that again. You're allowed, if you want to, you don't have to, to feel empathetic for someone stuck in a type of cycle or, or whatever the reason they're stuck. It's okay to have empathy as long as you don't let go of your boundaries and your own standards and your own vision for your life as a result. Um, and, uh, I think that that's okay to say, and I might get a lot of hate for saying that, but I'm just going to say it. It's okay. You can, we can be empathetic and boundaried at the same time. If you can't, then you might go, okay, I need to dial back where my focus is. And that's okay too. So this is one type. Um, there's other cycles around compulsion that we could talk about. And I do talk about, but I'm not going to do here. I want to also talk about, I'm not going to go into every type of mental illness. I do that in my, in my library, but you know, there's so many different mental illnesses that I've worked with clients who get really stuck that their mental illness, um, the betraying behaviors have become a self-medication for their mental illness that they never got diagnosed with, um, depression, bipolar, uh, um, anxiety, anxiety is super, super common, um, with people who are continuing these behaviors, even though they don't want to, um, there's a lot of mental illnesses do depression, anxiety, bipolar cause betrayal. No, you might be thinking I have depression. I have anxiety. I have PTSD thanks to what's happened and I'm not betraying. I get it. I'm not saying that it causes it. I'm not saying that it's an excuse. I'm saying that they'll stay stuck in these patterns if those mental illnesses are not treated or managed, depending on what it is and, and the extent of it. I do want to talk briefly about narcissistic personality disorder. I'm not doing any type of diagnostic here. Nothing that I do online is, is diagnostic, nor am I practicing as your therapist by, by giving information. But I do want to talk about it because it has kind of made its rounds around the internet and, uh, and, and just talk about this actual diagnosable disorder. Um, and I can go through this, this is not all of the criteria, but you can go online and look up all of the criteria to determine if you think maybe that's what's going on in your home. Um, what I, what I don't want to have happen, the danger that I've noticed in us as the betrayed partner, trying to diagnose our partners, um, it's good. It, it can be so helpful and, and there can be some danger. So I'm going to tell you about that. In, in general with all the mental illnesses is if I can see, oh, my partner, I'm pretty sure has depression. I, I, you know, I looked at those criteria. I looked at the list of things when I Googled depression that really looks like him, that can be helpful in, in that I can see there is this roadblock that is going to, he's going to stay in these patterns, right? Unless this gets treated and he's not willing to do that treatment. And that gives me a lot of information about maybe the steps I need to take. Um, the same with narcissistic personality disorder, which is something that, um, as far as the full criteria, um, many times doesn't shift, um, at least not out of the disorder criteria. Sometimes people will be able to manage their symptoms really well and make better choices in their lives, but that might be something they, they struggle with throughout their life. 
And to you, that might be helpful to go, oh, he has this disorder or she has this disorder. So that helps me make this decision that I don't want to be in that relationship or, or whatever. Right. Or that's the, whatever step you need to take. Um, what I've seen the flip side can be that I've noticed kind of the underbelly of all this really great information coming out online is that we can start to feel like, well, my partner, like, that's what I need to focus on is determining this diagnosis and being confident in it. And that's what allow, like, that's what allows me or disallows me from leaving the relationship or staying in the relationship or creating these boundaries or creating different boundaries. Like I can't create these boundaries unless he has this diagnosis or like I I've met with women who've told me, well, he doesn't have narcissistic personality disorder. So I just have to stay because it's an addiction. So that can be worked with. I've also heard people say, well, he has an addiction. So I have to have empathy for that. And I have to stay or or he's never, he's always going to be an addict. So now I just have to expect that he's going to relapse or, or leave. And I guess what I'm saying is we don't need to tailor make our boundaries to their disorders, to their mental illnesses, to their addictions, to whatever's keeping them stuck. Their a-hole, whatever, right? Whatever that is, just their basic entitlement, whatever it is that's leading them to this betrayal violence. Um, we don't need to tailor our boundaries to that. Um, the information can be helpful for us, but it doesn't need to be just determined by that. We want to determine our boundaries based on our vision for our future, based on um, our integrity, based on the rights and values that we hold, those sorts of things. So I'm going to go through these and maybe it'll give you some like, oh, that doesn't sound like my partner. No, no, that doesn't. And it might motivate you to pick up a book on the topic and learn more, but I just want to make sure that I'm putting in that caveat time look like okay so these are just some of the criteria not the full criteria but just to give you some ideas unreasonable high sense of self-importance that require constant excessive admiration feel that they deserve privileges and special treatment expect to be recognized as superior even without achievements be preoccupied with fantasies about success power brilliance beauty or the perfect mate um, believe they're superior to others and can only spend time with or be understood by special people. Be critical of and look down on people they feel are not important. Expect special favors. Expect other people to do what they want without questioning them or have an inability or unwillingness to recognize the needs and feelings of others. So you may look at those and, and there's more criteria to look at, but you may look at those and go, definitely has no ability or unwillingness to recognize the needs and feelings of others and also seems to deserve special treatment so maybe right we can start looking at that and going see i knew it was there but but i would look at the whole criteria um and then also recognize that whether they have this disorder or not uh, if the behavior doesn't work for you the behavior doesn't work for you and your boundaries don't need to be just just specific to well he ha doesn't have this disorder so i have to stay or he does have this disorder so now i have to have empathy None of that determines what you have to do. You get to choose what you do with your life. Okay. Um, what I wanted to, so Bill Herring, who's a therapist who's been doing this work for so long, and he's just brilliant. He spoke at the 2023 Love You Now conference, and um, he posits this problematic sexual behavior framework, and I love it. And I think that it is um, really great. It's a really great way to get really simple and really basic about what's happening. 
Um, certainly if you're in it with your partner and you guys are like, we're trying to make this work and he's in therapy and I'm in therapy, knowing that there might be comorbidities and talking to the therapist, comorbidities is a word that means uh, multiple layers of, of struggle. Let me go back to that picture really quick. So for example, if you, if you think maybe you've been on TikTok and you see everyone talking about ADHD and you think. I think my husband might have ADHD, which you should know there's a high, high comorbidity with a, with ADHD and sexual compulsivity. Okay. Really high connection there. So you might think, I wonder if he has this. Um, it's okay. And that's good information for you. It's good to glean that information and say, Hey, you know what? I might want to talk to my husband and request that he talk to his therapist about an assessment or go get a neuropsych evaluation or talk to his doctor about that. Right. I've had a lot, a lot of clients get the ADHD diagnosis and the depression diagnosis and get on the right combination of medication. And finally, boom, 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 all the things they've been working on finally click into place and they're able to develop sobriety and have empathy and all the things that they've been wanting to do, but have felt out of access to. So knowing what the barriers are can be beneficial. It can help you depending on what phase you're on and where your relationship is. Um, it can help you to you know make some requests in your relationship um, but at the end of the day in terms of your own safety in terms of your own um growth this problematic sexual behavior framework i think is really great at just identifying um your boundaries so the kind of the question was like so i you know, my partner is saying like, yes, 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 I know I'm hurting you and I, I don't want to do it anymore. And I'm so sorry. And maybe they're apologizing. Maybe they're buying you flowers. Maybe they're, you know, saying, I'm going to go to the therapist, but then they kind of don't, or they do, but they're not journaling. Right. And they're not doing the things they need to do. This is a really great way to say, okay, what, when you set your boundaries and, and then this is going to be the very condensed version, obviously, um, it's going to be around what's working and what's not working. That's the, that's the very basic. Okay. What's working, what's not working. And, or, or you could say what's okay. And what's not okay. Those are you know, two different ways to look at it. Um, similar, similar ways, different language. Um, and this is a great framework to just say, okay, is my partner violating commitments? Yes. You only need one of these to say there's a problem that needs assessment that needs support, right? Are they saying they're going to do things and then they're violating those commitments? That's enough. That's enough to say this isn't working for me. Um, do they have value conflicts? Are they saying I value, this is a common one, is like a partner will say, I value women who are um, pure and I women and I value people who aren't sleeping around and I'm even going to judge those people or make comments about those people. And then on the back end, they're violating those values, right? So do they have value conflicts? Do they in their soul believe that it's not good or not okay to cheat on someone and then they're cheating on someone? Do they in their heart believe that it's not okay to look at porn, but they're looking at porn? Now, some people might not have the value conflicts. They're like, no, I think it's fine to be able to do that. And then that's a different story, right? Do they have diminished control? Do they try to stop, but they can't? Then that's a problem. Um, are there negative consequences? Well, if your relationship isn't working and their, their relationship isn't functioning, then there's negative consequences. And is there a lack of responsibility? They're not owning their choices. They're not owning their, their emotions. They're not owning their experience in life. There's not responsibility 
um, whether that's in the home, whether that's with kids, whether that's, but definitely their own sexuality or their own choices. You only need one of these to say, we have a, we have a major sexual problem here and it needs support. It needs support. So it, it, we can look at all of these other barriers to growth, like addiction, like mental illness, like um, potentially some neurodivergences can make, I, I don't know if I like the word barrier when it comes to things like autism and ADHD, but maybe can make things trickier if we don't know what we're dealing with. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Um, we have traumatic brain injuries. We have post-traumatic stress disorder. We have childhood um, ACEs scores. So just, difficulties from childhood that lead to complex trauma. These are all things that can be getting in the way and can, can keep people in cycles of betrayal. But at the end of the day, for you as the betrayed partner, and you're saying, but things aren't changing, what do I do? Look at this list and you can say, okay, my partner is violating their commitments. That doesn't work for me. And then I need to set some boundaries. I need to make some requests and create some safety for me because that's enough. It's enough that it just doesn't work for you. That's enough, right? That it doesn't work for me. So that's enough. Now, may they choose not to change? Absolutely. And then you'll have to decide what to do with that, which is hard. And that's why there's programs like mine that help you walk through that. Um, oh, we're not going to go through that. That's So I just wanted to address these couple of things about why people betray at the end of the day. Some partners, some of you out there have a partner who just genuinely can stop at any time, but they don't want to. And they truly in their core believe they're allowed to do whatever they want without consequence. Most people, um, some part of them doesn't want to do it. Some part of them doesn't want to hurt, hurt their partner. Some part of them is really honest when they say, I just didn't want to hurt you. And they're really genuine with that, but clearly not enough <laughs> to, 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 um, unravel the layers and layers and layers of hurt and heartache and sickness and disturbance and distress and trauma that's all under the surface of what they're numbing out. They don't want to do all that. That's too much. Or they don't know how, or they've never even considered a world where that was possible, or they grew up in a, such a complex trauma state that like that there's no conceivable understanding. Now, is any of that an excuse in a relationship? No, it can't be because it does violence. It does harm. It can't be an excuse. My childhood was so hard. My dad cheated on my mom. Those are realities. I'm not trying to dismiss those realities, but they can't be an excuse because they're continuing to do harm. And so that's where there needs to be willingness on, on their part, the betraying partner's part. There needs to be a willingness. And that's really it. If they have a willingness to do something different and to seek out the right resources or go to those right resources and do the things that people tell them to do, then it's absolutely it's possible for them to stop. But it's a lot. Okay, so that's what I wanna leave with you with today.